Hello and welcome back to the Billy Shears Club. On our last episode, we talked about Strange New Past by Seth Century, and now we're going to talk a little bit about Come to My Garden by Minnie Ripperton. So some background for y'all. Minnie grew up in Chicago, was actually training to be an opera singer, but was much more interested in the rhythm and blues and rock and roll of the time. And so she ends up like getting more into that scene. Uh, She, after a few gigs, signs to Chess Records, which is extremely big in the blues history, where she gets to sing backup for Etta James, and also fronts a band called the Rotary Connection, which is notable for doing the backing for the psychedelic rock albums of Muddy Waters and Howling Blues, the, aka the Howling Wolf album, where the cover proclaims, Howling Wolf doesn't like this album, which is great advertising, guys. But yeah, she goes solo in 1970 with uh, the album we'll be talking about today, Come to My Garden. She starts working with songwriter and uh, uh, Richard Rudolph, who ends up marrying her, actually, and also Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, producer, uh, what's his name? Yeah, Charles Stepney. That's his name. Uh, they managed to end up getting a, she gets a hit in 1975 with uh, Loving You, which is also written by Stevie Wonder, who, speaking of, she actually sang on, uh, what's it called? Songs in the Key of Life on Ordinary Pain. Uh, sadly, after the big success, she didn't have much longer. Uh, she got diagnosed with cancer, underwent like a radical mastectomy, and actually became a pretty prominent advocate for cancer awareness, and sadly passed away before the end of the 70s. But she is still very fondly remembered for her great vocal range, like I think four octaves, which is this, like about the range of Freddie Mercury. And people like Mariah Carey and other great singers cite her as an influence for her vocal control and poise on the microphone. But yeah, this is Come to My Garden. Uh, it had a big resurgence a couple years ago because it went viral on TikTok for people just doing artsy, vibey things. And yeah, uh, what do you think overall? I really enjoyed this album. I liked how melodic it was. I really liked the balance between her voice and the instrumentals. And whenever she was doing something really powerful and impressive, it wasn't overwhelming the instruments and vice versa. Um, As a trumpet player, I was very happy with this album. (laughs) There was a lot of brass. And we're talking about her vocal range and my gosh, it is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I guess this is yeah, definitely like she's very good at like that high head whistle register. Like it's just so perfectly like everything she sings, of course, is like very on the dot, like just articulated and crafted to perfection. But like for her to maintain, yeah, but she's able to maintain it so high up in her register that it's just mind boggling. Mm hmm. Yeah, let's see. Uh, this is the last one. Uh, any specific songs you want to talk about? Uh, the first song on this album, Les Fleurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it starts, just that chord progression and that little chromatic dip is such an effective ear hook. <laughs> and then the way it just builds all the way to the end 
is just yeah. really nice. The energy consistently builds. It doesn't feel like the end of it overwhelms the beginning. And it's got some great horns. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely. I do also really love that sort of that sense of build is and like pull and release is huge throughout the album. Especially mm-hmm. here on the first track. And yeah, I do love that little guitar lick. Yeah. Sort of how it all, you know, it, you know, crescendos slowly throughout the track. That's just really nice. Especially when it breaks mm-hmm. through that, that sort of chorus is just angelic. Yeah. And then really like know- her voice and the instruments are working together to just build this massive wall of sound that just resolves and it's all very celebratory and I can see why it was popular on TikTok because it feels almost like ethereal (laughs) but in a kind of powerful way. Yeah. Yeah. And also like I think because it's so vibey and reliant on you know the performances I've missed but like the lyrics also were really nice because they're all just you know her singing about like literally being a flower and you know how beautiful flowers are and it's like oh that's a nice thing to sing a song about that's just mm-hmm. very simple yeah. and direct it's like just a little painting a little still life yeah it's like, it's like life is beautiful flowers are beautiful people are beautiful we're all beautiful <laughs> and it's a <laughs> nice theme to have for an album yeah Here's another one that was kind of nice on more of the lyrical side was a uh, rainy day in Centerville. Mm-hmm. It was just this sort of very romantic scene, you know, just it's a rainy day and you're in love. It's like <laughs> looking at the apparently comparing the tapping of rain to a ballerina. It's like oh. Also the, uh, also the, just, yeah, the little flourishes that they put in were also really nice. Mm-hmm. There's a really strong sense of longing, <laughs> and if the weather reflects that, and establishing the weather and the emotions at the same time really re- helps them reinforce each other. Yeah. Hmm. What other songs? I did really enjoy Come to My Garden. What did you like about that one? I liked how it, like the other ones, painted a scene. It was very reassuring, um, supportive, like emotionally. She says a few times, I'll take your hand and lead you from beneath these bad times. So she's like kind of shepherding you through this garden. This garden is a safe place to be. And just the light and airy way that she sings it, just very smooth. And I don't know, it reminds me kind of of blurry photographs from the past that are kind of rosy and kind of faded, but in a nice way. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to think of it. Yeah. You're like the, I guess sometimes it's like more sapia. Sometimes, uh, you know, how there's the, the Paul Simon song about Kodachrome and like the really saturated colors. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. Look, look at me. I'm referencing an outdated <laughs> technology using an outdated Paul Simon song. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a ute. But yeah, that was a really nice one. Some absolutely great writing, like as far as like <laughs> the arrangement and production. Mm-hmm. It just sets, like like we've been talking about, it sets a very nice interplay for me to work over. As a yeah, like, like this is the really nice part about like early seventies soul music, like. Just so much thought and care and putting into the arrangement. Sort of like we talked about with the, uh, like, this will be weird because, like, by the time this comes out, it'll be out, but it isn't out yet. But the uh, Curtis Mayfield album, Curtis, like, has a similar level of care, but it's much more forceful and direct, where this one is more, you know, delicate, you know. It's more about, like, like a watercolor as opposed to an oil painting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what an oil painting actually looks like, but I'm going to say that's a good enough. <laughs> <laughs> they take very different approaches. Yeah. I think another, another one that was really nice was Memory Band, because that has more of the bossa nova feel with that guitar. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that's the one where it has the... Yeah, so, mm-hmm. is, is it that that's the one right where it has like the really nice uh you know, the part where the beat drops and man just does the little vocal riff sales of the life. yeah 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 that's the one yeah that was nice yeah What else do you want to talk about on here? Any other ones or any general concepts? I mean, <clears throat> the last song on the album, Whenever, Wherever, <laughs> has some interesting uh, syncopation parts to it <laughs> that I think are very artistic. It's not like any, really any other part of the album, but I really enjoyed listening to it and I think it was a good way to end the album yeah Yeah. I can I can see that and I do like the piano and the whistle tone on this one but some of the like little breakdown parts were just Mm -hmm. a little bit too herky-jerky for me but yeah it it still was like you know Yeah, I can see how they would be disoriented, but I don't think there's a bad song on this album. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a very, very, you know, like, very solid, very aesthetically pleasing album overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only one I'm dreaming was also really nice because it's the most explicitly, you know, you know, with dreamlike because it's literally about things that happen when you're dreaming mm-hmm. nice beat we also gotta we also gotta give it up for the backup singers uh 
no, T. Yeah. Hayward and uh, Elsa Harris. It turns out Elsa Harris is if if the article that I found about the singer who lives in Chicago who's also named Elsa Harris is her, then she's also like a pretty established gospel singer and worked with Paul Simon for a while. Like they mm. are you know, they are doing great with many like you know, providing that you know, backing. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just the whole arrangement is really good. Yeah. Uh, any other any other songs? I most of what I have on the rest is mostly just going to be like the lyrics were sweet, the production was nice. Minnie's a really good singer. <laughs> I don't have too much. Of good. That's the verdict. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good songs. Go listen. Go yeah. listen to it yourself. Yeah. You'll understand what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, just the horns were good. Yeah. Drums were good. Guitars were good. Yeah. Minnie herself was outstanding. Yeah, I guess that's one thing we might talk about, like, compared to like generally other vocalists because i think at least as far as like you know popular music history does tend to favor the bold the like more forceful voices like a you know usually if you ask a person on the street hey who's who's a really great singer you know you'll get more of like i guess like the you know like i mentioned freddie mariah like mariah carey or whitney or if you're really tasteless, Celine Dion, but in a good way, it's good tasteless. But like, you know, good taste. Yeah, like you know, very strong, high projecty type of singers. You know, mm -hmm. that you would versus main like we've talked about more usually on the softer side, but like very, you know, craftsman like in the way mm -hmm. that she does it. Yeah, she's she's definitely capable of. <laughs> bringing some power into her voice but she chooses when yeah. to apply it and i think that's one of the things that makes her so masterful yeah which i i will also go back because i realized like that would come that sort of came off as dismissing the other ones like all those singers have fantastic control over their voices like mariah carey would not be able to do all the melismatics and my register thinks that she can do that an insane amount of expertise and work put into it, but mm. I, I just, yeah, the less is more approach. It's very different to hear here. Mm -hmm. yeah. Any other last thoughts, sir? I wish I'd heard this album sooner. Yeah. I don't listen to a lot of like, 20th century music that my parents haven't like mm. shown to me or that I've listened to through osmosis. So it's nice to branch out and this is a great direction to start. Yeah, definitely. The, I, oh boy, man, the the 70s is a fantastic time for R&B. There's so much great music mm -hmm. in there. Like, you, could, you could pretty much run this entire show on just... <laughs> R&B albums made in the 70s. It's just that good. 
We're we're getting partway there, honestly. Making progress. Yeah. One day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that sounds like a good spot to close. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. The albums that we listened to today were "Strange New Past" by Seth Century and "Come to My Garden" by Minnie Ripperton. I'm Caleb Clark. I'm Brett Lay. And thanks for listening to the Billy Shears Club. <laughs> <laughs>